one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review last week's episode of... Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. But here's my number. This is rare, baby. <laughs> How are you feeling? Just, Rough. Just, I was going to say just generally. Hungover. Like, Jesus Christ. So, 20% of me invested in the Carabao Cup final yesterday. Uh-huh. Soccer. Drank about eight pints, which for me is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not a On big... A Sunday. I'm not a massive drinker. I love a cocktail, like a nice, relaxed drink. I mm-hmm. like to get a buzz on. I don't get mortal drunk anymore because I'm not like 21 years old. But you kind of have to... And it was one of those where I had three... Even though it's only 20% of my investment in Newcastle these days for reasons that should go obvious, you're still nervous. You still want to win. There's still a history. There's still a sentiment attached, even if you don't necessarily think it's the thing to do, whatever. Three pints in felt nothing. Like, felt absolutely nothing. And then it all caught up with me at the end. And then, so I was like, right, okay. Get a ming and takeaway. Go to bed at, like, half nine. So you're still getting a full night's sleep. That's the benefit of day drinking. I got bloody heartburn. Oh. Heartburn at 2 a.m. Woke me up. So I can't get back to sleep here. I just can't do it. And then the next thing I know, I'm looking at my phone and it's half three and I've not slept again. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ. I'll try and make this review interesting, but I'm what? getting a recurrence of the heartburn here. On a day where we don't have to get up and watch wrestling, like Raw or Dynamite or whatever, what's the normal alarm in the Cedric household with, with, with the kids and that? On a day where no wrestling happens and I'm not waking up early and doing, you know, an extra two hours on a working shift, <laughs> I'm setting an alarm for five to seven. Okay. So that, like, James, he's at an age where he can be reasoned with and he's got a digital alarm in his room and it says 6.55. And the subtext behind those numbers is don't dare wake up before that. And he's not allowed. Read a book if you're awake. You know, you have horrible histories 
read a book. I love horrible histories. It's the show's really quite yeah, good. Yeah, I've seen bits of that. Um, Charlotte cannot be reasoned with, but she likes to sleep, so that's all right. <laughs> but I had a cup of coffee this morning. Good brews, just the best stuff. Oh, the best. And uh, I carried us through the morning, but basically as soon as one o'clock hit, I'm just, I'm, I'm hanging out my arse here. I'm hanging out my arse. <laughs> I'm already terrified to ask you. What do you think of this um, kind of mid-match on Monday Night Raw tonight? Oh, message? God. I'll be, I'll be animated. Yeah, I'll, I'll, have have a, I'll, I'll have another cup of coffee. Um, but let's talk about this show. Um, how would you describe this? A mixed bag? I would describe this as a good, not great, consistent hour of TV I was below the consensus on it online. I think people thought this was a really strong rampage. I disagreed. I thought it was good. I'm going to go into, not with as much enthusiasm as normal, but <laughs> hopefully the same insight into why I wasn't blown away by mm. it or I didn't think it was really, really strong, which uh, a lot of people did. Um, I'll tell you what. Something soured me after the fact on something I only thought was pretty good in a one-dimensional sense anyway, but we'll get to that, and I think it's worth pointing okay. out. Okay. Um, well, let's start with something that did uh, blow me away. Uh, the all-WCPW affair uh, of the Young Bucks <laughs> and Aussie Open, kind of two teams we uh, basically discovered, I think. Oh, shut up, man. Uh, but no, um, I don't think they'll be offended by this. I think Mark Davis and, and Carl Fletcher have uh, come on leaps and bounds, uh, and they were good in, in, in WCPW, and those those Jackson boys, eh? Well, they bloody like, eh? Just that rock and roll. They just keep on doing insane, brilliant matches, and uh, this was this was no exception. Um, so many spots in this. Really good uh, opener to Rampage, I thought, and uh, I'm going to inevitably forget some of them, because uh, I was sort of... Half re-watching this this morning, making my notes and going, oh, better, better mention that. So it might be a bit flitty, all this. Ah, I don't care. Uh, Matt Jackson early on escaping a double team uh, by Aussie Open by doing a, a double backflip out of something that they were both trying to hit him with. Uh, and then Bucks drop kick the Aussie Open lads out to the floor. They uh, t- tried to double team Mark, Mark Davis, uh, but he cartwheels out of it, um, slammed the Bucks separately, then picked them both up and slam them together. Um, Can I just say that Nick Jackson walked into that one? Yeah. It's the flying nothing version of posting for a body slam. It was really contrived, this. Mm. And I felt like this before I was in a mood, and before I was rough, and before my energy levels were low. Before we get into it, in case I forget, there were one too many moments, at least early in this match, where I'm thinking, you're doing that just to take something and understand that the books have got a different style and they are prone to this because it just is the way they do things. And I'm very lenient towards the young books. I consider them the very best tag team of all time. This was taking the piss for me. But also was your uh, opinion slightly skewed because I saw you sharing that. Is it Dynamite Kids? Yes. I watched a clip from one of the great Dynamite Kid versus Bret Hart matches. And look, no one... There's very few professional wrestlers. He's an arsehole, a sociopath. That arsehole does a disservice to how horrible of a monstrous human being Dynamite Kid was. But, my God, he was unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
you know, he's a futuristic state-of-the-art professional wrestler who, for better or worse, well, better and worse, actually, completely revolutionized what it was to be an in-ring wrestler um, to, you know, the detriment and benefit of the professional wrestling industry. It's not just a case of, oh, his work still holds up. It's a case of other people should watch and realize what's missing. He does a flying knee drop into the face of Bret Hart, and you're thinking, how's he not broken his nose? Mm. And you watch it again and Shattered again. Shattered his eye socket or something. Yeah, you watch it again and again and again and again and again and again, and you think, how has he not broken his nose? How has he not done it? And Bret Hart sells it as if his nose has been broken. And yet it hasn't because they go on for 15 more minutes of just this incredibly futuristic wrestling match. You can freeze frame it as Michael Hamflet did when we geeked out over this <laughs> clip, which if I remember, I'll try and paste under the Twitter link to this podcast. And you can see the full connection and freeze frame. It must be the best sleight of hand. And I'm not saying that all wrestling looks flimsy compared with because Kenny Omega's V-Trigger looks just as good. Yeah. But watching this match so close to that one, I was like, ah, oh, they were just sort of going into things. Some of those super kicks were a little bit, to use a British football pundit, Ooh. bit laxy daisy, yeah, bit laxy daisy. <laughs> um, I, I, if he had have actually connected, he would have broken his nose, but he didn't because it's magical sleight of hand. And I, I this was honestly a little bit loose mm. for me for a young Bucks match. Uh, so at one point, the Bucks tried to dive onto Aussie Open on the floor, but they each catch them, smash them into each other, drop them on the ring apron, then run around the other side and smash them together again to take us to a break. Um, when we come back, the Aussie, Aussie Open are in control. They're working over Nick Jackson. Uh, Mark Davis, who's being described, I think, by Chris Jericho as the Yeti. The Yeti. Um, his chops are pretty bloody brutal, by the way. Yeah, I just made a complete take of what I've said because they did look right. Um Matt Jackson gets the tag, though, uh, and uses Davis as a springboard to hit Fletcher with a standing sliced bread. Um, Nick Jackson looks like he's going to hit a moonsault back into the ring on Davis, dives onto Fletcher on the floor, then comes off the top um, with an elbow drop. Um, Fletcher gets hung up in the ropes by Matt and held in place so Nick can do that sent-on bomb of his. Um, Fletcher gets hit with a kick but goes to dive on Fletcher, and Fletcher catches him and counters with a nice... Brain buster on the floor. Uh, Matt uh, Jackson hits Carl Fletcher with a kick, but then Davis nails him with a uh, huge lariat, uh, and they go for a sort of windmill powerbomb thing uh, for a great near fall. Um, uh, Davis is holding Nick in position for a big dive in DDT from Fletcher, but Nick counters with a cutter. Uh, Matt Jackson gets the tag, but uh, Davis takes his head off. Um, then Matt Jackson fights back, uses Fletcher's foot to kick Davis, but then Fletcher used Nick's foot to kick Matt. Um, they set up with a BTE trigger. Carl Fletcher ducks. Um, Aussie Open gets hit with stereo super kicks, but uh, respond with a pair of stiff lariats. Uh, there's dives. They tried to set up Meltzer for the... Uh, sorry, they tried to set up Meltzer. They tried to set up Fletcher for the Meltzer driver. The lights go out. When they come back, Fletcher reverses into a jumping tombstone on Matt Jackson. And uh, they then hit him with the Coriolis. Is that what we're calling it? I don't know. Double team made in Japan, basically. Nick yep. Jackson dives in the last second to make the save. Um, Davis accidentally hits his partner with a lariat. He gets super kicked. Uh, and then they got him to tombstone his own partner. Um, Davis gets super geeked out of the ring. BTE trigger on Carl Fletcher. One, two, 
three. A few things. This is going to be scatterbrained because I'm honestly, I've felt better in my life. <laughs> I have felt better in my life. There were execution errors with this. Very minor ones, but in a way that, and again, I don't know if it was just watching that clip and being reminded of how good Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart were at a certain rugged but yet spectacular style. But like, even in little moments, I was like, ah, oh, could have been better. Or, oh, you've tried way too hard to just walk into a move without feeling like you're taking it. Honestly, I thought this was, by the book, signature style. This was slapdash. Mm. I don't know if they just had... A night where they dared have a three and a half star match instead of like a four plus easy. But like when they were turning themselves inside out for the lariats, I could just see the, what is it? Like an inverted somersault or something mm. before the connected. Just it looked a little bit slapdash. And I only say this and point it out because I hold the books to the highest standard. I did like the story. It was basically, since this is like a football-themed podcast, I guess, because mm-hmm. I'm rough as hell as a result, it was like an end-to-end scrappy match where they just kept making mistake after mistake, and the advantage just kept getting traded back and forward. So it was like an intentionally mistake-strewn match where it was really tense and this kept fucking off, basically. <laughs> but like, yeah. in the parameters of the story, I like convoluted action as long as it's incredibly exciting and that stupid Lee grade spot where they kicked away the shins to make him tombstone pile drive is made that was really good um and i'll tell you one thing as well it's about time that you know when nick jackson and i know wrestlers do the same um spots in every match you can't have a hundred different moves because that's not how you build a story mm. with a with a live crowd. It kind of was about time that Nick Jackson's sit out face buster, go through the ropes and do like a moonsault off the apron. It's about time that was scouted. Mm. Every time I watch that spot now, I know I just feel like the moonsault's always a little bit tame. It never looks like he's just crashing into someone. I know that's it's my least favorite Young Buck spot. And yeah. I'm quite glad it was subverted and scouted and countered. Um, I know there's just the vibes remain off with the elite in a way that I just can't put my mm. finger on. I do feel like there's a story simmering in the background, the details of which we're only going to find out um, in the months to come. But I was having nostalgia for 2021 watching that segment where the elite are in the limo hiding from Moxley yeah. and Kingston. And as it's revealed, Nakazawa presses the horn by accident and Nick Jackson just squeals and it's brilliant. And it, it just felt so on top of the world, like in the narrative, you know, in reality, dialed into this wonderful, their vision of episodic TV storytelling was finally realized in 2021. And this match included with some backstage segments. And, you know, it's impossible for them for them not to be great on occasion. Like, the top flight stuff was great. I just don't feel like they're properly dialed into this mm. at the moment. I get where you're coming from. And their autopilot is amazing. Yes. It's exhilarating. It brings the house down. But I'm getting autopilot vibes, which is ridiculous to say. And I feel like I have to couch it and caveat it because they're still working this ridiculous lung-bursting sprint, putting... The work rate element of this match, he can't phone in because the actual, not match quality or whatever, the actual 
work rate, the amount of work and cardio they're putting into these matches remains impressive as all hell. It's almost impossible to phone something like this in. But I do get the feeling that there's just something missing mm. mentally from the elite right now. So uh, post-match, the lights go out again. And when they come back, the house of black have the uh, ring surrounded. And I'm sorry to hark on about this. But, you know, you've got the three ominous-looking members of the, the House of Black, and then they have to go, and that Jezebel! Oh, it's Jim Ross's dick, that's why. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like they're going to kill the elite, uh, but then the lights go out and lights come back up, and the House of Black are nowhere to be seen. More mind games. Yeah, it's crap. Uh, this has got... <laughs> this is so much... Uh, again, I'm going to reiterate this, because I'm trying to use my imagination here. This is so much more boring and flat than it has any right to be. I should be worried, as a little elite mark, that people are taking the piss out of this because it's so corny and full of law. And it's just, it can't be boring, and yet it kind of is. Like, I know the match is going to be great. I don't care. You put these six minds together, or, you know, four. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's so much more boring than it has any right to be. Again, I was watching that thing in the limo where Moxley and Kingston are on the rampage. They've already crashed into their, um, their caravan, like their truck, yeah, their, yeah, own yeah. Th their own thing, because they've been screwed. And the elite are selling fear under the pretense of, oh, we're big-time stars. We're in a limo because we're stars, not because we're scared to go in the arena where they might be, and they're all bunched up, and it's amazing. Maybe it's because Molly Black has no sense of humor whatsoever, and they've pitched something like this, and they say, well, no, you can't do comedy here. I don't know if there's just been this weird, like, creative conflict where there's next to no story being told, or if certain people involved in this angle can't be bothered to tell a story. I just thought that if you put these two groups together, this would be so much more entertaining perversely or earnestly, or ripe for mockery, yeah. this should be straddling the line of people ripping the piss out of it because it's ambitious and it's a bit silly and it's like gleefully, ardently, passionately nerdy, whichever way you slice it. Unforgivably drab, all of this continues to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I assumed when they were doing the best of seven thing, I was like, this is going to be brilliant. They, the elite are finally going to overcome this, this huge hurdle of theirs in this in these incredibly hard-hitting matches, and it's going to be like, oh, we've finally done it, guys. We've got rid of Death Triangle. We are officially Trio's champions. Who's next? Oh, no! Yeah. And they've just been building them up, and it just felt like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what this to do with, they were like, oh, well, Omega's visa or whatever it was. Could have House of Black. House of Black are so great at squash matches. Yeah. We should have had... Like it's for all of the indirect match building that I can sometimes be critical of. If there's ever a time to do it, have House of Black just steamroll three geeks. Have them beat, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is probably a bit too far. But, like, if you had them the week after the best of seven finish, face Death Triangle, I know the dynamic would be weird, beat them in, like, five minutes, which you can excuse because you say, like, well, they've just gone through the ringer. With this, they've just gone through Escalera de la Muerta. But House of Black can be like, you really struggled with these. Yeah. Like, we murdered them. Even if you can't do that, I can't remember who they had a, a, like a sub-three-minute squash against. But they were, they built this sequence where Brody and then Buddy and then Malachi all did dive spots. It was like bang, bang, bang. And it was just this incredible thing. They blew these lads away. 
And I just don't understand why we couldn't have had at least that. It's just all... I don't know what's happening here. At the same time, I'm very glad that, yeah, Revolution's this weekend because I'm like, I don't really care about all the bollocks that Malachi Black speaks. So just get to the match. I know Sooner the better. That's going to be one of those ones where I'm going to look back at the end of this year. I think he's not even talking that much bollocks. I should be taking the piss out of him right yeah. now. But I, I could look back and say, that's probably one of my matches of the year. And I'm just going to have forgotten the yeah. complete lack of storyline that we yeah. had going into it. So That's the thing. There doesn't necessarily have to be. The hardest lads who don't have the gold are gunning for the gold. That's a story. Mm-hmm. Done well, sometimes that's all you need. But they don't feel like the hardest lads no. because they haven't been wrestling. They're not doing any... In- it's mind game stuff. It's such a load of absolute bobbins, man. <laughs> like, uh, the only time I can buy someone's entrance or mind games working, and I hate this brand of storytelling to begin with, is like people were legitimately like overawed. Like his opponents, who have been in the game for years, said they had the Undertaker coming down the entrance ramp, and they thought, "My God, it's bone chilling. It's mm. genuinely great." Because he has this presence and he has this credibility, loathe though I am to put him over because <laughs> he's a dickhead of a bloke. You don't get that with the House of Black. It's just silly. Mm. They're not built enough to try and do this. So while well, we don't, we, we'll our actions speak for themselves and we could just convey a presence and we don't have to talk or do anything. It's like you do. You can't do this Undertaker stuff without the credibility of mm. the Undertaker character. It just comes off as, well, just completely ineffective to me. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. The best friends are backstage with Lexi Nair um, being asked about the other tag team thing coming up this week for the final spot in the tag team four-way at uh, AW Revolution. When in comes Big Bill, uh, Lee Moriarty's there as well, and the guns are gleefully chuckling uh, as uh, they 
cripple the best friends with a pipe, basically. Uh, I think they hit uh, Chuck in the leg, and then basically they just chinned uh, Trent, get laid out. When we come back from commercial, um, Danhausen's blaming this on... I can't remember what he called him, Jack Lethal or something like that. Uh, That's a terrible eye. Uh, and Orange Cassidy uh, asks who did this, and this will set up the Atlantic Championship match we'll preview on Wednesday, of course. Uh, but uh, what did you think of the attack? Uh, not much. <laughs> okay. Uh, then it was time for Tony Storm versus Willow Nightingale. Um, Storm immediately jumps Willow from behind to take over early on. Um, but uh, Nightingale fights back. It's with a senton, chops her around the ring. Um, but Storm fights back with a, an eye rake and a hair pull, uh, sends her to the floor with a running hip attack and sends her into the barricades to take us to a break. When we come back, Nightingale's fought back. She misses a cannonball in the corner, though, um, and Storm hits a hip attack and a spinning DDT for a near fall. Um, Nightingale, though, does manage to come back and hit the cannonball and the Death Valley driver for a near fall. She's going to hit Storm with a Doctor Bomb, but Soraya jumps up on the apron to distract Nightingale. Um, Nightingale pulls Soraya in the ring, uh, set her up for the Doctor Bomb, all in front of the referee. Um, <laughs> but then Storm clips Nightingale's knee, stuff pile driver, one, two, three. Post-match, Storm and Soraya pull out the green spray paint, uh, but Ruby Soho runs down to save Willow. Um, as they head up the ramp thinking, dodged a bullet there. Here comes Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Um, Baker brawls with Tony Storm. Hayter chases Soraya around the ring. Looks like Soraya might get her away, but uh, Hayter catches up with her at the top of the ramp and beats her up a bit. And then Ruby Soho just stands there in the ring and does the quite fancy the belt symbol. Yeah, this was, uh, this was good. And it's a good job that Willow Nightingale is so good because this is a WWE ass finish. And WWE ass officiating as well. Maybe it's AEW ass officiating at this point. They are trying to do WWE heat on a meta level, I think, to try and get over this, you know, imports versus homegrown story over. And I'm sick of meta heat. I'm seeing it with the guns. And I'm seeing it with Soraya. And I'm seeing it with the JAS as well. It's just I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it. AEW was so much better when it showed what it could do, rather than it telling you what WWE do. Don't you hate it when they do that, so hate it when we do it. No, it's lost any kind of heft, this type of storytelling. I just don't care about it. It's a good video that's going to be out on our YouTube channel about this soon, I've heard. Yes, absolutely. A handsome dude is presenting hey, it as you well. Can, you, can only, you can only work with the excellent words that he's been written. So. Oh, God. Uh, I tell you what, Willow Nightingale's just so good. Yeah, the, you run out of words because it's hard to just say everyone loves her. And that's great because that's just the universal feeling it feels that gets cultivated in those arenas when she's in there. But she doesn't just come out, ah, oh, Willow. She naturally draws people to her work and then she can just play her greatest hits because people like to see Willow in action. She's so good at building that reaction mm. with these... Just a facial expressions, which is like pounding on the turnbuckle to try and just get the fire back up. Uh, she knows exactly how to get people to stay in love with her. Mm. They're already besotted when she comes out, but I think she's her body language throughout her matches. She's so good at like making people continue to fall in love with her. I like the fact that yes, yeah, she's, she's such a pure baby face. But I don't know why I just caught my eye on this particular watch. On her Tron, when she comes out, it says, I can't remember this exact thing, but it says something along the lines of nothing matters. 
which is meant to be, hey, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it also could be like, nothing matters. Yeah. Life is pain. <laughs> uh, right. Then they cut to a to post dynamite interview uh, with the acclaimed Lexi now chatting to them uh, about you know the upcoming. Now, currently, they've got three teams, obviously. They're going to have a fourth added for Revolution after Dynamite this week. Um, but they're, they're happy with their lot in life right now, uh, and they're in the midst of uh, calling everyone big breaches, <laughs> and uh, Billy Gunn's calling out Satnam Singh when he in comes. I love the fact we've actually got a name for this team now. Triple J. Triple J. Oh, my God. Um, what's awesome about that as well is when, back in the forums day, there was a concurrent reigns of terror where Triple H and Jeff Jarrett in 2002 and 2003, which is goddamn worst. Jarrett's a meme now. Papa H is a savior now. <laughs> but at the time, it was just, why are these two glorified mid-carders? Triple H is a bit more than that, but it was fun to call him yeah. that. He certainly wasn't a freaking main eventer at that time. Why are these glorified mid-carder heel merchants Killing the business that we know and love. <laughs> yeah. We're near. And the pun on triple on Jeff Jarrett was Triple J. Yeah. You know, Junta Jess Jelmsley. <laughs> um, particular favorite spot here was uh, Lethal putting a figure four on Caster. You think, oh, that would suck, especially if you've just been jumped and they've got a giant there. What could make it worse? The incredibly annoying Sanjay Dutt. Not only screaming and shouting in your face, uh, being his obnoxious character self, obviously, but also trying to take your eye out with a pencil. <laughs> and I'm fairly certain they were like, go for his eye. I think it was either Jay or or, or Jeff yelling that. But uh, yeah, an effective beat down this. Uh, aye, aye. It's one of those where like, if you, it's very silly fun, isn't it? The, w, the AEW World Tag Team title scene. Jesus mm. Christ, I'm like Jim Bloody Ross. <laughs> I like in pictures that, you know, make us look like a pervert on Twitter next. <laughs> Whenever they try and do heavy heat with these characters, it just is a disconnect for me. Whereas I don't feel like this peril on behalf of the baby faces. I know it just, if you do too comedic stuff, when, a time, when it's time to do the serious wrestling, the heat angle, the build interest in the match, I just think, ooh. It's weird because I... I just don't take it seriously. I like, for a variety of different reasons, I like all three teams so far in this tag title match. But And we'll get more into this on, on Wednesday when we preview it. Ever since you've suggested the fourth team, my brain's gone, if it's not them, this match sucks ass. Yeah. Weird, because I love all of them. and I've, I've no doubt they can put a great match I together. I the guns. Mm. Um, TBS champion Jade Cargill, remember her? Um, God. They had a little promo here reminding you that she exists. Um, she's dominating, she's 53-0, and 0. she's undeniable. Who, who wants a bare-knuckle fight, basically? Definitely. No, no one really she better not be on this pay-per-view. No one who's... Any, I love Jade, but she, there's no match here. I'll only go three minutes and two of it Granted. will be push-ups, so... <laughs> I might win another coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, shout-out to Michael Sidgwick for that, because we made a, we made a bet uh, about that Jade Cargill match last week, was it? I think so, I... And uh, yeah, he he admitted that it, it was. I, f- I completely forgot all about all about it. So a man of his words. Uh, and speaking of, I had an ulterior motive. My my card. Oh yeah. What are they called? The bump clock card. Yeah, when you get like 
every time you buy something, you get a stamp. That's it, yeah. And if you get a f- card full of stamps, you get a free one. So there's a bit of an ulterior motive yeah. at play. But you've played that game as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, Lance Archer's back. And he's in there with Bryce Saturn uh, for a very brief period of time. Uh, very happy to see Lance Archer back. He's got the white gear. I mean, he thought of Michael Hamflet and what he'd make of all this, obviously. He comes out. Jake's just sort of waving behind him. And Saturn, <laughs> I don't know who you are, Bryce Saturn, and I'm not commenting on your wrestling IQ whatsoever here. But when you saw Lance Archer, human killing machine coming towards you, what made you think, I'll tell you what I need to do, attack him on the ramp whilst he's looking at me? <laughs> well, I thought this was a decent strategy from the young um, up-and-coming hopeful. Right, but at the moment he got backdrops on. Yeah, but if you're in that match, you're probably just thinking, right, wild swing, a wild swing. Yeah, no one's tried the wild swing. Everyone's just stood there and took it. <laughs> if I can just get that one lucky blow and blindside him, who knows? Mm. But then obviously it facilitated this incredible slapstick bump, which I howled at. Yes, he got backdropped on the ramp. Uh, Archer brought him in. Uh, and Saturn got a tiny bit of offense in, even if Lance was like, Hit me as hard as you can, and it will still not affect yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, and he comes back, does Archer with a crossbody block, and takes his head off with a clothesline. One, two, three. So good. He's just the best squash guy. He gives them something. Uh, like, he lets them do a forearm to the chest or the face just so he can go, come on, you little dickhead. <laughs> it's just great. He still looks, he looks great. Yeah, he looks I really good. I thought at one point he was kind of slowing down. I mean, Jesus Christ, the guy's in his mid-40s and he's carrying around all of that weight. He's not built to last. Mm. And yet, he's just very graceful in his movements. He looks dynamic. Chuffed to see Lance Archer back, I think. So, he, uh, we've said it a million times, you cannot book a monster to be invincible because he's not quite world champion level, mm. I don't think. But my God, if you can just reheat him four times a year for a big match and have him lose, I'm happy with that. Absolutely. Great to see Lance Archer back. Uh, and then we get a little vignette. Keith Lee and Dusty Rhodes are going to take on uh, Swerve Strickland uh, and Parker Boudreaux in a tag match n- but this week um, with uh, Dustin saying, the force is strong in this team. But uh, I just... Just running through this back in my mind, there was, uh, of Mogul Affiliates, there was Swerve Strickland and Parker Boudreaux in there, but uh, no Trench, as far as I remember. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, in terms of your Sunday roast, are you having any uh, any greens with that? Yeah, I had peas before. Favourite new weird thing that we do this. Um... Time for the setup for the main event. Action Andretti versus Sammy Guevara. Actually, I'll do this in a weird way because they went in this order, but I'll move it around. Yeah, yeah too. they should have moved it around for God's sake. Uh, Matt Hardy's going to fight hook on, hook on Wednesday. What do you make of all that? The setup uh, I'll for that. tell you on Wednesday what I make of all of that. I'm not going to dig- dignify uh, well, the angle. Yeah, the little, uh, oh, it's going to be him. Ah, no, it's, Mark, it's Matt. Matt Hardy is trying to get on TV and build the story that, you know, fair enough, it's a passion project, and they've been building it, and they care deeply about it. You know, we've all been there. But he's trying to carny his way onto television by saying, you know what, Tony needs to, if I could, you know, he was asked 
What would you say to Tony Khan? Oh, well, what's interesting is that, much like about a million other people, I first learned the definition of the word story this year. I think Tony Khan needs more stories and characters on television. Mm. <laughs> he has since day one. He has since day one, you, you fucking hardy. <laughs> and then as soon as Rampage comes to an end, he goes, on the subject of great storytelling and great characters... Isn't Isaiah Casti doing really well in this storyline? Isn't he great? I'm not saying he isn't, but I'm thinking that most people liked Isaiah Casti, not in this vehicle of a story that doesn't really get the biggest reactions on the show, and it's something they seem desperate to make happen. It's because he made a cum noise on a blog, <laughs> on a vlog. That's why he's over. He went, <laughs> Rise well, over for me. I think he's very talented, but that was the, the thing that tipped me over over the edge, so to speak. So that doesn't really seem to me like episodic television storytelling. That sounds like he's just an annoyance, like he's come on a vlog. Matt, Matt, you've been in so many rubbish things for three years. Do you think you should do more of that, Matt? Because I don't. Because I don't. <laughs> uh, right, the back and forth with uh, Mark Henry and his money came next. Um, Garcia defends Sammy. Says you should give him the respect he deserves. And Andretti calls him a punk coward. God, Andretti sucks. <laughs> and then we got... Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. I just thought about that. I shouldn't have done really put you through that. How does that feel with a hangover? <laughs> I felt like he went what, on for about back? No, the, the slow motion Mark Henry. Oh, no, I feel, I feel nothing. <laughs> uh, Sammy versus Action Andretti. Um, they go out to the floor early on, and uh, Sammy uh, whips him into the barricade. Uh, but Andretti uses the barricade as a springboard for a big body block on Guevara. Uh, they get back in the ring, and Guevara hits him with a knee. Andretti counters a sunset flip into a nice falcon arrow for a near fall. Uh, and hits a 450 splash from the apron to the floor to take us to a break. When we come back, Andretti goes for the split leg in moonsault, but Guevara gets his knees up and hits him with a wicked-looking inverted DDT that like, nearly killed him. Um, Guevara goes for a shooting star. Andretti moves. Guevara, because he's ridiculous, managed to land on his feet, but Andretti catches him with a drop kick uh, and a springboard off the ropes, takes Guevara's head off. Thought he'd been legit KO'd for one second. Um, Andretti goes to hit Guevara's GTH, but Guevara flips out of it, and they back and forth with elbow strikes. Guevara hits him with a big knee, super kick, another knee, runs at him, gets hit with a Spanish fly as a counter from Action Andretti, uh, who hits a springboard sent on for a good, another great two count. Andretti hits a massive shotgun drop kick, uh, goes up top. But uh, the referee's back is turned, and Garcia hits Andretti as he's up top with a clothesline. Uh, and Guevara doesn't know what's gone on, but picks Andretti up. GTH, one, two, three. And Chris Jericho comes down to celebrate with his boys to close out this show. A few things, right? Have you seen the match graphic change for Revolution? It originally said on the uh, match graphic for Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks, Everyone banned from ringside. Yeah. It's subsequently been corrected to Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside, which oh, means that someone 
Someone who is ruined my day, lads. Sorry, mate. Hey, who could it possibly be? Maybe there's going to be a heel turn in the works here. Don't drag this out any longer. Don't have Ricky Starks not just win and then go on to something better. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe they just wanted to get JAS in the copy, but I wasn't the first to spot this. And it's just, oh, God. They've written, like, they've, what's the word I'm looking for here? They've given themselves a workaround mm. to have Andretti turn heel and interfere. To be fair, he's better as a heel. I do not like this guy. <laughs> um, Very look, talented. Obviously. You know when you say, I'll tell you one thing about this match, right, is that I thought it was such an artless cliche of a, oh, my incredibly spectacular move, which counterintuitively is no longer that spectacular because I see wrestling like this all the week and the style is getting a little bit old for me. That spectacular move that I did didn't work. Time to do NXT face. Oh, now that spectacular move I did didn't work. Time to do NXT face. And on and on it went. And I was just numb to these really impressive feats of athleticism. Yeah, yeah. And these two arseholes who just give me the worst vibes ever got me into it because there was a bit of a competitive edge to like the last three minutes and it got really good. Yeah. They worked me into this one-dimensional passe cliche of an exciting match because they really did go for it. And there was a bit of energy at the end. Um, so I begrudgingly liked this one. <laughs> Maybe not the best attitude to have, but God damn it, that's what I had and I'm not going to change. Yeah. The match graphic announcement thing worried me yeah. after the fact. I might be reading too much into it. Upon losing, Action Andretti hops onto Twitter and says something to the effect of, I'll come back stronger. Shame I didn't get the win. (sighs) A minor trigger warning for homophobia follows. Um, So you you might not want to listen for the next minute. But Action Andretti tweets something to the effect of, uh, maybe if I got a butt buddy, then oh. I would win this match. In oh, no. the AEW Twitter account is just retweeting that. Like, I just get bad vibes from this guy. Not only is he just being the most rancid, like misogynist, hmm. sexist in those in that awful invisible camera segment where he's talking about how Tate Carney wanted to grab on it with Gak. And now he's doing like homophobia on main on Twitter. Like what is what is going on here? The idea that he's really gifted athletically and he's got this appeal where he's not being on the shows and people, his work looks ridiculously spectacular. So it's no wonder that they thought we could fast track him to TV because he's got this bond with the audience. He just gets out to get them going. But you, do you not need to do like character references and stuff like that in mm. this game to see that, right, okay, he's a bit 4chan. He's got attitude. <laughs> yeah. He's got an attitude that just doesn't belong in what was originally trumpeted as the inclusive promotion that was for everyone. And, oh, my God, retweeting that, I'm like, what are these companies, what are this company's values yeah. at this point? You know what, as well? I never know the answer to this question. Where, Because I've seen it in the past, and I do ultimately believe on the principle of rehabilitation over punishment, and people can genuinely become nice people and all the rest of it. 
when they say things like, oh, you know, he's got immaturity issues. This is what compels him to say these horrible things. You know, Guevara's been there. We've all heard what he said. So it was two unlikable dudes in this match. At what age does it become inexcusable to come out yeah. with stuff like that? I know some people, you know, mature or just get their priorities right or they can develop like empathy and understanding. Like look at Jay Briscoe, for example. I was about to say that, yeah. Look at Jay Briscoe, for example. Like there's no time limit on when he can change, when he can be more accepting and when he can be better with your tolerance. But when people say, I know he's got maturity issues, he's in his early 20s, it's like early 20s. I know I just... The whole social media activity of AEW over the weekend just put me in the right mood as well, to be mm. perfectly honest. Um, I'm rough. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, people can change. Yes. If he wants to get over as a baby face, to me and me alone, maybe other people like him, you're absolutely fine too. He's going to have to have a talking to about his attitude because that really, really just... Maybe he just doesn't know. Maybe he's just been yeah. around... He's, maybe he's just not that bright and he's been around groups of friends and no one's called him out on it or whatever, but it's just... But, buddy... In 2023, like, how we? Yeah. How we? Uh, right, well, let us know your thoughts on AW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and the Dadly Boys uh, coming back a little bit later on today to preview Monday Night Raw and our SmackDown review is available right now. But for now, this has been the AW Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we... We'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.